When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll look at some impact players who are close to returning and a couple of hitters who are busting out of slumps. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not it. had uh, three go-throughs uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I'm Al Melchior. I am here with Derek Van Riper on this episode for Friday, August 20th. And DVR, we're getting ready for the weekend here. So uh, let's get to the news and notes, and then we can start looking ahead to uh, to next week. So uh, Freddie Peralta going on the IL uh, with that shoulder issue that he developed on Wednesday. Um Initially, just something he came into the game with, but then aggravated it on a swing. So uh, it's to the IL for Freddie Peralta. Also, Eric Haas to the IL with an abdominal strain. Uh, Some good news here. Mookie Betts says that his hip is pain-free and he could be activated by the middle of next week. So DVR, is that enough for you to roll with Mookie Betts in the coming week? Yeah, I think so. In, in most cases, you're not going to have a guy as good as Mookie Betts on your bench, even for like four or five games, potentially in a weekly league. So I'd be erring on the side of planning on using him where I have him. All right. Uh, also, Carlos Rodon likely to return next week, probably during the White Sox series against the Blue Jays. Dylan Carlson, he could be back as soon as next Tuesday to start off the Cardinals series against the Tigers. Uh, on Thursday, Mike Zanino sat against Baltimore with a tooth issue, so it sounds like a pretty short-term thing, hopefully, for Zanino. Byron Buxton, he began a rehab assignment with AAA St. Paul, or he will begin one on Friday. Jose Urquidy, he did start a rehab assignment on Thursday at Houston's Florida Complex. Alberto Mondesi, he has started a new rehab assignment, uh, this one at AAA Omaha. Nick Senzel's option was reversed, so that was obviously a very controversial thing uh, with Nick Senzel being sent down. Uh, it turns out he's just going right back on the IL. He developed some fluid on his knee, so back to the IL and a rehab assignment for uh, Nick Senzel. Odubel Herrera leaving the Phillies game at Arizona on Thursday. Uh, he was hit by a pitch on his elbow. Luis Severino does not have structural damage uh, in his shoulder, but still no timetable for him to resume throwing again. And uh, just one closer note here, DVR, from the Thursday slate. Austin Warren with a two-inning save for the Angels at Detroit, his first career save. The question is, why was Warren in a safe situation? Because Rysel Iglesias did pitch on Wednesday, just threw 10 pitches, uh, did not pitch in the game, or I think even the two games before that. So uh, I've not seen any explanation here, anything to see here. I don't think so, but yeah, (laughs) it is pretty odd that a seemingly rested 
Rysel Iglesias uh, wouldn't get that opportunity. We've seen him on back-to-back days not that long ago. In fact, he pitched on three consecutive days earlier this month on the 4th, 5th, and 6th. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for some further details there. Yeah, it's a strange situation because it almost seems like there's got to be some explanation for that. So yeah, we'll keep tabs on that for sure. And in the meantime, let's take a look at some of the performances from that Thursday slate. Matt Chapman with a big game, uh, one in just a series of big games for Chapman in the past week. Two for four against the White Sox, hit his 19th home run. That's now five home runs over the last six games for Chapman. And really just in time because uh, the A's have a pretty nice schedule Coming up uh, in the coming week, they've uh, got uh, a couple of games against the Mariners and then a four-game series against the Yankees. And while that might not sound that great, there's going to be a total of four left-handers who are currently projected to start against Oakland. And uh, as much as Chapman's season's been up and down, he's been pretty consistently crushing lefties. So uh, is there any type of league or format where you could see not starting Chapman? I don't think so. I mean, I know there's some batting average downside more than we probably realized coming into the season, but if they can get him playing at a high level again prior to the postseason and you put him with the better version of Matt Olson that we've seen throughout this season, the A's offense, even in its current state, is already a well above average group in terms of WRC+. They're eighth in terms of team WRC+. They could be a bit more dangerous than people realize come playoff time. I think definitely that's the case. And they went through a little bit of a slump uh, collectively coming out of the All-Star break, but that is definitely behind them now. Uh, They've been hitting very well for the last two or three weeks and Chapman joining the rest of the team and uh, hitting very well in the very recent past here. So uh, good to see again with a a favorable schedule coming up. And same deal for Jared Walsh, although he's maybe this is the beginning of uh, a hot streak for him, but he's really been deep, deep in a slump. Coming into this game on Thursday, Walsh had been nine for his last 60 with just one extra base hit, a double. So just a miserable slump for Walsh. Busted out apparently against the Tigers on Thursday, three for four with his 24th double of the season, also a couple of walks, so reaching a total of five times. Next week, it's just a five-game schedule for the Angels, but it's five really good matchups, three games at Baltimore, a couple at San Diego. That's going to be Ryan Weathers and then Chris Paddock. So Paddock, by far the toughest matchup out of the five. Um, So what's 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 your approach with Walsh this weekend are you gonna wait and see if he can extend this or is this just a must start situation with good matchups I think it's more of a must start I mean I think it's a lighter week for a few teams schedule wise so I'm not as worried about the five games as I would be in a typical week with Walsh I think he fits into this group of players that we we didn't talk a lot about them but we were looking at past calendar year leaderboard on the athletic fantasy baseball podcast on Thursday and when you look at what Walsh was doing in the shortened season He's a totally different hitter then with a 13.9% K rate, and it was only in 32 games. He's striking out 28.9% of the time this season. Trying to figure out like where in the middle he's going to fall in the long term is, uh, I think, a challenging question to answer. Projections think that he's basically the guy we've seen in 2021, a well above average hitter, you know, 15 to 20% better than a league average hitter, but a guy who will strike out a good amount of the time, which keeps that batting average in check, right? That 293 we saw last year is probably not something we're ever going to see over a full season from Walsh unless he gets that K rate down. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a reasonable expectation. And by the way, just going back to something you said a moment ago, uh, yeah, five-game week is nothing to really shy away from 
with this coming uh, schedule this week because out of the 30 teams, 20 are playing six games, only five are playing seven. So if you've got a player with a good schedule with five games, uh, they're probably going to compare pretty favorably with just about any player that you're going to compare them against uh, trying to figure out who to stick in your lineup. So uh, on that note, uh, Jamer Candelario, he has been uh, on a hot streak for a while now, three for five game against the Angels that same game on Thursday, his 10th home run of the year. And I think because there hasn't been that much home run power DVR that I've kind of ignored this hot streak by Candelario. But since the All-Star break, a 9.39 OPS. And out of the players in the Tigers lineup for this game, he actually had the highest season-to-date OPS, 7.93, which is pretty good, just even including a first half that wasn't really that great. So where should we have uh, Candelario at this point? Are are 12-teamers fair game or is that still a little premature? I think when the schedule lines up right, he's playable in those formats. He's still above average for the season in terms of his WRC+. The power we saw last season was surprising. It was an outlier compared to every other stretch he's been in the big leagues. So I think we can kind of safely look at him and say he's still more of a a hit tool and plate discipline guy ahead of a power guy. Moving around on both corners on that team for now, I think it's pretty safe. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they make the pieces fit as more of their prospects are ready, specifically Spencer Torkelson. Is Jamer Candelario still going to be an everyday priority in their lineup as that lineup gets better in the years ahead? Yeah, I mean, that's something that we won't really be able to know until you know probably next year at the earliest, but at least right now he seems to be solidifying his position because there are certainly other players that aren't performing on the level that he's been uh, of late. So, uh, but yeah, that'll be interesting to watch uh, in spring next year. Oledmus Diaz, he has just been hitting and hitting. And with Alex Bregman, not with any specific timetable for coming back, I think we just have to get used to the idea that Diaz is going to be a fixture in this Astros lineup for a while. Three for five game on Thursday against the Royals, his 15th double of the season. That batting average is now up to 302 with an 833 OPS. So really same question here for Diaz. As uh, for Candelario, and in fact, not only where should he play, but which uh, which of these uh, infielders would you actually prefer to be using? I think I would take Diaz because the power I think is comparable, but it, the lineup situation for Diaz is better. So I think the counting stats are going to be better than what you're going to get from Candelario. I like the versatility too. You can play him at a few more spots. So I think that's the other nod in Diaz's favor at this point. All right, let's take a look at a couple of pitching standouts. We talked about Madison Bumgarner on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast on Thursday. I talked about his consistency since coming back from the IL, and he just built on that against the Phillies, going eight innings deep, just giving up a run on three hits and a walk, five strikeouts. I mean, that's been the MO for Bumgarner. Uh, Not a lot of strikeouts, but very similar to results, uh, similar results to what he's been getting. So uh, next week he gets the Pirates, just a probably a one-start week for him. But uh, is that good enough to just roll him out there in any league? I'd throw him against the Pirates in most leagues. I still think he is very matchup dependent at this stage of his career. And I'm really curious to see what's next for him in terms of strikeout rate. Is he going to keep that K rate above 20% going forward? If he does, I think he'll be a viable streamer again throughout most of 2022 because... Chase Field is such a pitcher-friendly environment since they put the humidor in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it is. And uh, so is T-Mobile Park. No, humidor, just a good environment for pitchers. And so Chris Flexen always seems to deliver when he's at home, but also delivered on the road to Texas. But 
That's that's just a gimme. It always works. That Texas matchup doesn't matter whether it's home or road. Flexen going seven innings deep on this one. Uh, two runs on four hits and a walk, five strikeouts. Also a very typical line for Flexen. Typically not a lot of strike strikeouts, but usually good results. But he gets those Oakland Athletics in Oakland next week, and they've been hitting very, very well. So is that too tough of a matchup for Flexen? It is for me, but I'm probably one of the bigger Chris Flexen skeptics around. Yeah, and if you're not the biggest, uh, then it's me. So <laughs> we're both <laughs> shying away next week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, all right. Well, let's see who we may be shying or not shying away from uh, on Friday in terms of daily streamers. Uh, got four here that I think are worth talking about. Eliezer Hernandez gets the Reds. Of course, he's just back from the IL. Nestor Cortez gets the Twins at home. Brett Anderson, this surprised me, DVR. It probably surprises you much less. But uh, going back to, I believe the date is June 15th, so more than two months ago, the Brewers have two starters who have uh, an ERA, an XFIP, and a Sierra that are all below 3.25. Corbin Burns is one of them. Brett Anderson is the other one. And he gets the Nationals on Friday. So the thing about Brett Anderson that's pretty interesting is just that the Brewers' defense is really good. I mean, for a ground ball pitcher especially, to have Willie Adames and Colton Wong healthy up the middle, that goes a really long way toward making Anderson as efficient as he can possibly be. He's still not going to strike a lot of guys out, but yeah, since mid-June, 27 to 6 strikeout to walk ratio in 37 to 30 innings. If you're chasing wins and trying to get good ratios, I think he can deliver in that matchup. All right, we'll uh, add one more to the list here. Miles Michaelis making his first start off of the uh, IL getting Pittsburgh. So nice matchup for him. So we got Hernandez, Cortez, Brett Anderson, and Michaelis. So sounds like you like Anderson. Do you like any of the other three? Yeah, I think I like him in the order you listed them. I think I like Hernandez the most. I think he brings a little more K potential than Cortez does. Cortez does have the easier matchup, so they're kind of 1A and 1B. There's a, a teardrop, and then you get to Anderson, who I think is usable, and Michaelis, who I think is just barely usable if you're at a point where you're not worried about hitting an innings cap or something along those lines. All right, so not a lot of uh, streamers to consider, but uh, the ones we have here, I think I'll have some some appeal. So uh, let's uh, wrap up here with a look ahead to this weekend and fab bidding. And I got to tell you, DVR, I'm pretty low on funds in <laughs> almost all my leagues at this point. And uh, so it's kind of a relief to me that there aren't that many uh, players that I'm really all that interested in. I would say uh, Eliezer Hernandez, who we just talked about, he gets the Nationals next week. He, to me, is a, a priority to add. But pretty much everybody else is just matchup based. Um so is there anybody that stands out and somebody maybe who has more appeal than just as a one-week streamer? I think Hernandez could be the kind of guy you pick up now and have on your roster for the rest of the season. Uh, Carlos Hernandez has been discussed on a few of our pods lately. I like him, the Royal starter. He's got at least three above-average pitches. Maybe the command is a tick below average for now, but I like the way he's attacking opposing hitters right now. At Seattle, it's not a terrible spot for him to go for, for streaming purposes if you don't trust him beyond that opportunity. Um, and then I think we talked about Mitch White on the Sunday waiver show as well. I was really impressed by how he pitched. I know it was against the Pirates, but I'm curious to see 
you know, where things go for him. I think he's got the Rockies at home next week, so he'll at least be a streaming consideration if he remains on the schedule for the Dodgers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, either the Rockies or the Padres. So obviously a little bit of a difference there in terms of which matchup uh, Mitch White gets. But yeah, really, really intriguing after that performance against the Pirates. Also just add that the Diamondbacks, they've got a seven game schedule that looks pretty favorable for the fitter, uh, for the hitters, three games at Pittsburgh, four at Philadelphia. So, uh, I'm looking maybe at Esdrubal Cabrera as a, uh, one week streamer or, uh, uh, possibly, uh, if he's out there, Josh Rojas, although I know he's probably not available in a lot of leagues. So uh, anyways, that's going to wrap it up for now on uh, Fantasy Baseball in 15. But if you do have an opportunity to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, we would certainly appreciate that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Monday.